G'day and welcome to Season 2 of the Far North Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeff, and in each episode of the podcast, I interview a leader from the beautiful city of Cairns in Far North Queensland. It's called the Far North Leadership Podcast for that simple reason, because it features leaders from a variety of sectors across the Far North. I believe that we can grow as leaders simply by listening to and learning from each other. I don't know about you, but every time I meet a leader or I overhear a leadership conversation, it helps me grow. So enjoy the conversations and I hope you find something that applies to your life and leadership in every single episode. In this episode, I interview Rick Hanlon. Rick, early in his career, was described as a tall and stylish AFL player from the Derwent Valley in Tasmania. Since that time, he's played Australian rules football, coached it, and for the last many years has been developing AFL in North Queensland. Possibly Rick's greatest achievement has been AFL Cape York House, which you'll hear him talk about soon. He's the Cape York Regional Manager for the AFL and is also a recipient of the Order of Australia Medal for Services to Australian Rules Football. I spent some time with Rick on a really warm December day at Blackbird Espresso in Cairns. Rick, thanks so much for joining me today. No, I'm very good. No, Can you uh, tell good. me about your greatest memory playing AFL? Um, look, at, I don't know if I have a greatest memory of playing. What I, what I, um, I used to love was the was the pre-game stuff. Like it, it, it was, they're the things that I always remember about the, you know, little bit of anxiety, little bit of anticipation, not sure what's going to happen. Um, so I, I think, I think with me it was more about the enjoyment of that. That's what I used to really enjoy most about footy. Yes. Obviously playing was, was a highlight, but it was that preparation of the game, walking into the ground, you know, touching base with the supporters that are there to watch on the day and all that sort of stuff. That's the stuff I, I sort of remember more than anything else about any great games. I mean, you know, represented Tassie a couple of times, which was pretty special. Um, a couple of things like that. But, yeah, I, I think it's more, it was more about... Um, if I miss anything in footy, it's that. That's mm, what it is. Yeah. yeah. Do you get to experience some of that now, going to games and being part of the development? Um, not so much, um, because I think there's a difference, obviously, between the playing and the coaching part of it. I, yeah. I, I've sort of stepped back a little bit from the coaching part of it now, but um, just give a little bit of advice, which um, some people tend to <laughs> think they should tell them what to do. <laughs> um, but, no, look, I, I, um, I don't... Um, I don't spend as much time in it in, in, anymore. It's more of the administration side of thing and just floating around. And yeah. if I can give any advice or any assistance, I do. And if I see, you know, players, young blokes doing something they can probably improve on, I'm, I'm very happy to go over and have a yarn and say, listen, maybe consider this and blah blah blah. But mm. yeah, no, it's, it's um, I still enjoy being around, but I'm sort of stepping back a bit in some some cases. Yeah. Okay. Growing up on the footy field and at school, were you a natural leader? Um. I think I think I may have been. Um, I think it was. I was okay at sport, hopeless in the classroom, but I was okay at sport. Yeah. So, outside the classroom, I think probably I was because, you know, if you're having a game of footy or a game of cricket, you'd be one of the two or the three first picked, and so you know you tend to um, find it a bit easier when, when you're like that instead of being that poor little fellow around the back who's who people don't pick until the last, and, and you know you're embarrassed and all that sort of stuff. So. Um, I think maybe um, 
I was captain of a couple of little primary school teams when I played footy and I was a house captain. I was a prefect at school. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it certainly wasn't for my academic um, ability. <laughs> um, but, yeah, pro- probably, yeah. Yeah. Was it maybe somewhat skill-based? So, you know, for your mates and the other the other guys, they saw your skill and looked to you then? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I was... Um, I, I guess I was I wasn't scared of putting myself out there either. Um, yeah. You know, if, um, you know, someone, you know, in, a, in cricket we're having trouble with, you know, our opening combination, and and um, I put my hand up. Yeah, I'll have a go. Mm. You know, type thing. So, yeah. and I was happy to change my position on a footy field to go somewhere else if it if it meant you know it was better for the group, and I'd put my hand up. And, you know, stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah, yeah. With that transition then from being on the field and willing to have a go to coaching, um, you know, earlier in your career, was that a difficult transition for you? Um, probably not, um, because I just, I love the game. I love the game as much now, and I'm not coaching or playing as I did when I was playing and coaching and everything else. I just love the game. I love what it does for the community. I love what, I love what its, its capabilities are. Um, I love the athleticism around um, what it takes to be an elite player in particular. Um, I have a great appreciation of the skill um, um, that's required to be an elite player. And and I'm talking about the physical as well as the mental skill. Um, So I think that um, the fact that I love the game so much, I just have a a sort of a rounding of, of it all. And, and just my love of that, and, the, the, and I care for it. I actually literally care for the game, um, mm. about um, how it's perceived in the community, um, what you stand for in terms of, um, as a, a, an organisation our size, which is a billion dollar industry, yeah. you know, when we talk about the national level. Um, I think it's really important that we're really great citizens, um, and the game is for the people, and, and the people come first. That's um that's an amazing basis for the role that you have, you know, to have that incredible love for the game and see the benefit, and then be able to develop that here in North Queensland. Well, well, I saw the things like, 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 like I've said, um, I was a kid that struggled at school. I was a kid sitting up the back, hoping that you didn't get asked a question. And and f- from that to where I am today. Um, the game has enabled me to do... Yeah, I've made the choices and decisions. They're not always the right choices either. But I've made the choices and the decisions to to make the most of an opportunity or whatever the case may be or, or, or the desire to run with an idea or whatever. Um, but if, if I can be sitting in a position that I'm sitting in today, coming from my background, um, there's a lot of opportunity, hope for other young people. Absolutely. When you think about leadership as a concept, what does it what does it mean to you? Yeah, look, I reckon it's it's lots of things, and I don't reckon there's one given answer. Um, but it's stuff about inspiring others. Um, it's about um, bringing people on a journey that they also believe in. Um, I'm a big one on equality within your group. Um, I get really frustrated when people say, oh, "I'm only the cleaner." Um, and then you've got you know other people in the room that are managers and uh, yeah well you know you're probably not going to listen to me because I'm only the cleaner. I want to hear a bit from the cleaner. Mm. I, the cleaner is just as important as the general manager because if no one's going to do who's going to if he's not there to do his job who's going to do it? You know it's a, it's the same in a footy team. If if we haven't got a good defence, 
it's going to put more pressure on the midfield because they've got to do more work and the forwards to do more work to cover the weakness of, of the defence. Now, and that's the same in any organisation. If you don't treat your people or your team with equality and respect, well, how can you expect them to do their bit and to play their role, but more so want to play their role? Um, Which is where the inspiration comes in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the stuff that, that, that I, I guess I've been really lucky with is that um, I've been able to work with people that have a shared vision around what we want to do. We, we're not there yet, but we want to be a high-performing organisation. We're, we're doing some really, really good stuff, but there's weaknesses in what we do. So, And that's good that you've got some weakness in what you do because you're always looking to be better mm. and to improve that. You're never... You're never perfect because if you're good at what you do, you're continually looking to be better. So you never get to be perfect because you're continually looking to be better. Um, yep. And so I'd like to think that, you know, there are a couple of the things that I think that around the leadership stuff, but I think the other thing is that um, leaders don't know everything. They don't know. It's impossible to know everything. Um, we do, like Within our organisation, we've got about 35 staff, heading towards 45 for next year. Here in North Queensland. Yeah, in yep. North Queensland. Mm. And, and I try to understand each of them individually. Yeah. Um, and then as a group, how do they work within the group? Um, but having an understanding of, of, of your people, of your team, is really, really important. Understanding that they've got life experience that they can bring that you don't know nothing about that can make you better. Um, that that you don't know everything, um, that you can draw on that life experience from individuals within your group to make what you do better and more successful. So I'm a big one for that. I want to hear what staff have to say. As, as stupid as it might sound, um, I want to hear it. Mm. And I think that's really important as well. So just know your limitations, know, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. But I, I, I really believe that if you want to be um, a leader that others want to, you know, walk behind if you like or walk with um, you've certainly got to treat your staff with equality and respect and, and leadership is those things with those, with those values and that basis then of leadership what kind of approaches have you found working here to develop AFL in North Queensland um, I think one of the best things I did when I got here and I got here 20 years ago mm. coming into 21 years is that for my first 12 months I sat I watched I listened, basically, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I went to a, a game here in Cairns, it might have been the second or third week of the junior um, roster being being um, played, and I got over to North Cairns Oval and there was a, I, I pulled up in the car and I didn't even have time to undo the door, a, a father was undoing the door for me. And um, he was, he was going nuts. Here, what are you going to do about this? And I, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. <laughs> I said, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, well, we got here at uh, half an hour ago. We've got 20 kids and they've only got eight and this is rubbish and, you know, we're not going to have a game. These kids are... Don't, and, and, I, and he said, what are you going to do about it? And I went, what are you going to do about it? And I said, just let me get out of the car. <laughs> anyway, so... And I played that bat all year mm. because I wanted to have a look at how footy was played here what the culture around footy was, um, you know, the needs, the, 
the climate, all these sorts of things. Because obviously I had some ideas from back home with Tassie's at Footy State. And, and, but I just wanted to watch, listen, just move around and get an understanding of what the culture of footy was like in the area. And then after that, we then started to make some changes, put some recommendations in about my views and thoughts. Anyway, thankfully those were adopted and, and I think they put us on a really, really good path for the future and where we are today. Because, you know, I feel he was very, very strong. The senior league, um, you know, he's very well resourced and, and supported. Um, the, the juniors are, are the same. Um, and then you've got the AFL Queensland involvement here. Um, I mean, when we started back in 1998, we had five Auskick centres. Wow. Something like 70 odd through the region now. You know, like, I mean, it's massive growth. It could be more than 70. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, um, but I know just in the Cape, we've got we've got in excess of 30 ourselves, you know, just, just alone. And that's not a, you know, a populated space like Cairns, for example. Mm. So um, I think I think to listen and not think you know it all um, has been really good in terms of for the first steps that I put in place when I got here anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell us about um, AFL Cape York House and how that came about. Yeah, so AFL Cape York House and to, soon to be houses um, because we're, we're we're due to finish construction of the girls' house at, at Red Lynch in. Um, towards the back end of January. Um, yeah, look, it, it came about by the many hours of sitting with kids in buses, going to places like Rockhampton and Mackay and Townsville and, and so on and representative programs and talking to the kids about school and in particular the kids that were actually out of boarding school. Um, sadly, um, the majority of our kids in our program have to leave home to go to school. It's a, it's a law um, where the government says you've got to go to secondary school and there's only four secondary schools in the Cape and the Torres. Yeah. And so logistically, lots and lots of young people have to leave their homes to go to school. And that's tough. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time talking to kids about boarding schools, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, why, they weren't, why were they dropping out at year 10, year 11? Um, what are the issues associated that way? You know, the issues associated with being in school and being in a classroom with, you know, um, um, you know, going from being a, ma- a majority within their own community to coming out into some of these boarding schools and being a minority in the classroom. Really, really big challenges, for, not just for children, but they're challenges for adults. And then leaving your home at 11 or 12 um, to spend six, 10 weeks in a place you probably don't really want to be, around people you probably don't want to be around, and doing something you probably really don't understand anyway. So, spent a lot of time talking with the kids, and I'll, I'll never forget, I had a, a former work colleague who um, sadly passed away, um, but we're driving past Wangetti um, School, and we're going back in about 2002, 2003, and I said to, um, my workmate, I said, um, what do you reckon we, how would we go, do you reckon, building our own boarding facility or residential site for young Aboriginal men to try and get them through to school? Mm. And his eyes just lit, he said, wow, that'd be fantastic, blah, 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 blah. And that's where it started. Yeah. And, and um, basically it took another 12 years, 
13 years for us to get the funding and a lot of head banging on, you know, just frustration and government not thinking it'll work and people dipping in and, you know, with their thoughts, which were just, you know, not what, not what our vision was, all this sort of stuff. So it took about 12, 13 years of really frustration. I was really lucky I had two really great people um, from government agencies here in Cairns and one was Mike Fordham who was the head of the ICC here and another one was um, um, Mike McLennan who was um, the regional director for Department of Communities. Those two gentlemen in particular in the, in the initial start of it, they were really great because they believed, you know, they thought it was a really good idea and then, you know, obviously um, our chairman of AFL Cape York, John Hollander, he's been a really um, great mentor to me over a long, long period of time. Um, his knowledge around the, the, the building space and the capacity to be able to do this and build it for what we had and all that sort of stuff was really, really important. So we wanted to provide a, a place for young men to come that was you know, really safe and secure. And, and that's a work in progress because there's always a young person trying to... Um, can't learn an excuse to get out and go and see someone or do something and it's really it's 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 a really fun space to, to work in um but it's an inspirational space too when mm. when you see kids come home um and start wanting to talk about going to university um start talking about aspirations where when they first come in they don't, they don't know what aspirations are they know what dreams are um a, a lot of our young people um but when you see the aspirations start to ticking over in their minds and they start thinking about what they would like to be and what they would like to do, you see them growing into young men, you see their healthy skin. And, um, because some, some, some of our kids come to us, you know, not, not very healthy. Um, malnutrition and different things and, and, and the homesickness and the sadness and, and, and a lot of our young people have trauma um, from past and, uh, and, and some of that's really ugly. And, so when you see these young people start to believe in themselves and, and not all do, not all do, we don't win um, every, every battle with our boys. There's a lot of our boys turn around and say, look, I don't want to do this, I'm going home and, and you know, it's just not what I want to, want to do. I'm sure in 20 years' time they'll think differently about that and we try to have that conversation. Um, but, you know, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do through... Um, the boys program and I'm really proud of the fact that um, in our in our real Cowboys house has been built um, and they're doing some really good work down there as well and it's our model it's what we created here yeah um, um, you know we've been operating this will be our sixth year yep. coming into our sixth year uh, in our old house will be coming into their third year um, whereabouts then, is that sorry that's in Townsville okay yeah mm. and then um, and they've just built a girls one as well so the model that we developed here locally um, is going to be supporting, you know, potentially 130, 140 um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids wow. uh, and golf kids um, with their education. So I'm really proud of that. That's probably yeah in, in the in the in the sporting space or, or or my employment space. That's probably the thing that I'm proudest of most. Yeah. And that's fantastic that, that, that I, I presume they are supportive, the AFL, of really this community development, not just sport development. Yeah, well, well I mean, sometimes you, the AFL is a, a, a billion-dollar business and their core business is footy. Yeah. And their core area, to a degree, is um, 
the highest level because that's what generates the revenue to be able to do all the stuff that's laid underneath it. So um, doing something like this where, um, you know, and people say to me, um, oh, it's an, it's an academy. Um, no, it's not an academy. Um, it's The Suns have an academy. Um, Cape York doesn't have an academy. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the facility has been built and for the girls, has been built as the number one priority for these kids to come to Cairns and pursue an education. If it's something they don't want to do, that's okay. Mm. If they get here and then they say, no, nah, it's not for me, and they want to go home, that's fine. You don't have to throw something through a window or you don't have to you know, get violent with someone or you don't have to run away. Mm. If it's not what you want, that's okay. Yeah. And we can help navigate back to community or whatever it is that you want to do onto another boarding facility if that's what you want to do. Yeah. So we just want to support the young people that come through yeah. um, and let them know that they're not in a prison. It's not a prison. Um, it's just a place that's working to provide a safe and secure environment for you while you go to school, while you're away from your family. Um, and as I say, the, the law in Australia says that as a teenager, you must go to high school. And for the greater majority of our kids, they don't have access to high schools in their area. Yeah. So um, Cairns is a good option because there's still some family around that we can connect the kids to. There's plenty to do in Cairns. Yeah. Um, and it's not too far away if we need to get a family member to come down and have a yarn or, or you know, if we're having some transition issues, um, people settling and things like that. So the location is ideal. Yeah, and it's also a basis if there is sporting talent and interest to, to develop that. Um, and, and so have you you've seen success of that over the last six years of kids going into footy? Yeah, look, yeah, we've had some kids come that have never played football and then once they started at the house, they got engaged in the AFL program and um, Tim McCoy Bowie, um, who's at Bond University, um, doing um, um, a marketing and communications, um, he he's just missed out on a rookie rookie position. So yeah. um, he was close to actually making the AFL, and I still think that he's a late developer, and he might do that as an, an older age athlete. But who, who knows? Um, we've had several boys go to the academy program and, and perform really well. They've played Newfoundland footy, which is the, probably the second or third best level in the country. Mm. Um, so yes, there's been some success there. But we've got Nathaniel Tamoy as well, who who's um, doing allied health at um, Sydney University, who's in their Waratahs program. Yep. So, um, you know, it, that's okay because yeah. we're here for their education first. Yeah. Yep, footy is a part of their wellbeing program and that is for the fitness, teamwork, commitment, attitude, all that sort of business. Um, but it, um, it's, a, it's an education, um, it's a place we want to build their education levels and their career options um, more than it is to do with AFL footy. Yeah, that's fantastic. Can you tell us about one of the best leaders that you've known? The leaders that you can touch and feel and there's leaders that you can't. I was a great admirer of people like um, Nelson Mandela. I had the privilege to go to South Africa a couple of times, took a couple of groups of young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander boys over there in 2006 and 2008-9. Wow. Um, and just the aura of Nelson Mandela was just quite unbelievable. Um, it's, it's like you're walking around and everywhere, he's just sitting on your shoulder. Mm. You know, it's like just that, it's, it's an amazing aura. Um, so, and for what he stood for, his, his, um, his resilience to, when, and when you go over to, um, to the island, 
and have a look at where he lived and, and what they had to go through and stuff like that. The resilience and, and the toughness of him and his colleagues was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, it was, it's just, you know, sitting there and, and the way that they were treated as, as prisoners, uh, as human beings, um, and then to come through it how he did and then still have the ability to forgive, um, that is that to me is absolute unbelievable uh, leadership. Yeah. And, I mean, I've had conversations with parts of my family about different things that have happened and... In, the, in their personal relationships with, you know, how they prepare to forgive, are they prepared to forgive or to, you know, and, because forgiveness is really tough. It's really hard, um, depending on the level of it, obviously. So, and I, I always think back to what, what or how Nelson Mandela forgave um, for everything that happened to him because his family was um, brutally um, tortured and, and killed and, and, he was treated like an animal and, you know, it's just, yeah, just amazing. Then I look at the people that um, that I come across on a daily basis. Um, I love Cathy Freeman. Um, I think what she stands for and what um, she did for our country and, and, and for um, young people when she won a gold medal in, in Sydney, I thought that was just one of the most amazing things. And, that, and, and people just see that as the end result, but looking through from where she came and what she had, all the steps she had to put in over her life and the commitment she had and the sacrifice she made to become that athlete to do that. It's a great leadership story. Um, Locally, people like John Hollander, as I mentioned, from um, um, who's who's on our board as a chairman, has been for the last 10 or so years. Um, Wonderful family man. um, um, Runs his own business. Successful um, does things for others, um, you know, people like that. Remind me, I mentioned a couple earlier, Mike Fordham, Nick Lenan, people that I respect and look up to, seek advice from. Um, I don't know it all. Um, and so they're people that I, I like to connect with and, and stay in touch with. So it's people like that. Alistair Clarkson is someone I'm a Hawthorne fan. And, yeah, that's and good. And so <laughs> I, um, I like... I like, it was really interesting. I, I, I loved the comment he made. It was something like um, he had a crack at the media during the year about um, them thinking that, or them promoting in the papers that Clarko's going to put a, pull a hat out of the bag yeah, and some right. big tactic. Yep. And he got him in the media conference and said, look, that is just junk journalism. This stuff isn't about pulling a, 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 a tactic or a rabbit out of the bag. If our players don't follow and do the process right, mm. we won't be successful. So it's got nothing to do with me in terms of being able to do that. I'm just there to support them so that they can get the process right. Yeah. And if the process doesn't work, and that's a really good lesson, I reckon. Mm. If you haven't got steps in place and the process isn't right, um, and you can learn from that from, from other people. But, um, yeah, so they're the sort of people... I don't have one defined leader that... Because every... Everyone that I mentioned there have got their own, some are touch and feel, as you know, we communicate, we see each other, others you don't. Um, but they've all got their different ways of doing things, and I think um, that diversity in leadership um, is really important. So you get different angles, different views, different thoughts, 
um, and different ways of doing things. I'm not a great reader, so I like to, to watch people. I like to see how they handle themselves, how they manage themselves. I, I tend to sort of learn more about you know, that, mm. that sort of thing. When you're going to bed at night, going to sleep, and uh, you're reflecting on your day, what constitutes a good day for you as a leader? Having done something for someone else. We've got a lot of givers in this world, a lot of people that give to the community and give to others, and then we've got a lot of people that just take a lot and don't give anything back. And I, I struggle to deal with people who take and don't give anything back. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, I've done a lot of dumb, stupid things. Um, thankfully, I'm getting older, I do less now. <laughs> um, but one thing that I've always prided myself on is I actually have, have I think, been a good a person to, um, to give. Um, mm. And it goes a long way back. It goes to primary school, it goes to high school. Um, so I think when you sit down at the night and you think about um, something you've done, done during the day or the organisation's done during the day or a decision has been made that has helped someone open a door or just give a little bit more opportunity to, um, that to me constitutes a, a really good day. Yeah. Mm. That's wonderful. If someone wants to find out more about AFL in North Queensland or Cape York House, how could they do that? Yeah, they can go onto our website, um, yep. uh, AFL Cape York website, just Google that up. Great. We'll link to that website in the show notes for the podcast. Yep. But Rick, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. No, Jeff, love it, mate. Thanks very much for uh, asking me. I really enjoyed chatting to Rick. I found it I found it fascinating uh, and and a really great quality that his love for football is is what led him to all these different roles around AFL. It wasn't just playing the game that he loved. It was just the whole game uh, and, and he loved football and that's what's led him then to coaching and the developmental roles uh, and also has led him to seeing the community side of sport as well. I just found that uh, found that really encouraging and uh, and really exciting to hear. I also um, was really interested in and, and also challenged by his approach to leadership of just wanting to hear from everybody in the room, taking his time when he first arrived in the role to listen and to look and just to wait before drawing conclusions and then leading the way and listening really well and then continuing to try to listen to all these different people in the organisations. Um, lots to learn from Rick. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found something in this episode that applies to your life and your leadership. In this season of the Farn Off Leadership Podcast, I'll release a new episode every month. All you need to do is subscribe on your favourite podcasting app and each new episode will appear when it's released. If you find this helpful or interesting, please pass it on to a friend or a colleague and I'll be back next month with another fascinating interview.